Welcome to Gaia's Consciousness Podcast, expanding your mind and spirit. Learn even more at Gaia.com. Watch interviews, movies, and original series created to empower the evolution of consciousness. For more information, visit GaiaPodcast.com. Your journey begins here. Raise your hands if you have felt out of sync with the normal world around you. You're not alone. Our guest today, Bonnie McClis, felt very out of sync with the world, only to find that she was just psychic. So, welcome, Bonnie. It's Thank good to have you with me. me. Yes, I'm excited. Yeah, so gosh, you had a rough ride. I did. Oh I my really did. God. Yes. A psychic yes. as a little kid. I mean, I've interviewed a lot of people who were psychic and saw things when they were a little kid. But what happened to you is just crazy because you were literally singled out and almost kind of tortured as a result. Right. So right. let's just dive right into your life as a little kid and the things you were seeing and how your parents and the world around you reacted to it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, actually, in hindsight, when I think about it, I'm like, I don't really know how it it's was. It's horrifying. Yeah, how I survived. But um, at the time of the experience, you know, I just was you know, mostly just trusting what I was told uh, to a certain extent. But so, you know, early on, it was quite natural for me to have these um, conversations or these experiences. Uh, my earliest memory would be these lights that would hover over my bed at night when I was little, almost had like an angelic kind of choral sound. Mm -hmm. And it was beautiful. And I would tell my mom, and um, of course, as parents do, she would say, oh, it's just your imagination. You know, you're mm -hmm. such an over, over imaginative child. Um, so that was beautiful. And then from there, I had, you know, the classic psychic child, imaginary a friend exchange. Mm -hmm. um, and that was, that was fairly accepted. Uh, my mom, bless her, she tried so hard. Um, she made dolls when I was young to try to embody all of my Well, that's friends. actually very supportive mm -hmm. and sweet. She was. She tried. She really was just kind of guided by the medical community. And I think right. that's when things got a little off track. So, you know, as, as I just stayed this kind of wide open child, when I became, you know, early adolescence, around, you know, 11, 12, I started to scare the adults around me. Because by when you're a little this. kid and you have little mm -hmm. imaginary friends, it's cute. Yeah. But by the time yeah. you hit puberty, it's not really cute anymore. They're no, scared, no, right? No, no, such They're a like, quick shift. Is she crazy or yeah. what? And, yeah. and so you had this time in your life, though, where you were very comfortable with your, quote, imaginary, in other words, not other dimensional friends right. and guides that were speaking to you yes. and, and keeping you company in life. Yes. And then you started interacting more with other children, and you thought, well, that's strange. They're the ones that f the guides feel totally normal mm -hmm. and simpatico. It's the kids that feel a little odd. Yes, that's exactly right. Yes. And, I, and then at that point, you know, I kind of had that odd man out, had a hard time mm -hmm. making friends, which I think was another indicator that something uh, different was, you know, something was setting me apart. Mm -hmm. But again, I think as human beings, you know, we just know what we know. It's hard to know where we're different until we meet that contrast, mm -hmm. until we meet that kind of, you know, fear of it. Um, so, you know, as I, as I got older, my mom brought me to a series of doctors, um, and they all had their different ideas. But really, at the end, uh, the last doctor said, I, you know, gave me the diagnosis of early onset schizophrenia. Because yeah. you were talking to people that weren't there? Yes. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. someone on the street who yes. has lost their bearings, seemingly. Yes. But the thing is, a lot of the people on the street who have lost their bearings 
are also dealing with yes. other dimensional beings talking to them. Right, and feeling the emotions. Mm -hmm. I think as a child, it was mm -hmm. I could feel um, such extreme emotions, which I think a lot of people right now can relate to that. Mm -hmm. um, and I would just have these just these these cry fits because I could feel the pain of of another. So again, they could not understand why I would have these right. uh, you know emotional mood swings because there didn't mm -hmm. seem to be any stimuli for it in right. your third-dimensional right. world. Right. Exactly. What kinds of experiences were you having at that time when you say you would take on the emotions? What kind of entities were you dealing with, were you interacting with? So many, actually. Um, I think when you're that open as a child, it's just a smor smorgasbord, you know? I believe mm -hmm. it's just this, uh, just this d interdimensional highway. So it was everything from I think now just non-human forms to, you know, spirits to just these just pockets of human pain and energy. And again, as a child, you know, you're trying to find your own identity and find your own voice. But, you know, mostly early on, I noticed a lot of the pull would be from uh, deceased loved ones or right. earthbound spirits That's what uh, I was that wondering. would definitely have a message or a call. So now we get into the early teen years where mm -hmm. you've been diagnosed. So then what happens? The doctor that I was seeing at the time thought that uh, it was just kind of a culmination of events that I should go into a facility. Um, so they went ahead and placed me into a facility, putting me on heavy, um, heavy drugs, heavy antipsychotics, um, which the, the psychic visions changed drastically at that point. Um, you wrote about red-eye rats. Yeah, yeah. It really. wasn't your friends anymore. So yeah, yeah. do you think that it tweaked your brain frequency simply to a level where you were kind of accessing lower dimensional exactly. stuff. Exactly. I think that's exactly what happened. Yeah. I believe it brought me to the lower planes, which, yes. you know, I'm grateful for now to see kind of like the, min the many different uh, dimensions and time and space, you know, that I was involved with. But yeah, absolutely. I think it brought my world to a, you know, to a lower realm indefinitely. And so during this time, what happened with you? I mean, you're obviously you're out of school. Yeah. During some really critical years, you're not yeah. bonding and making friends doing during these times when girls really kind of like like to chat a lot and need each other. That was none of that was mm -hmm. happening for you. No, no, no. In fact, the medication that, that I was put on uh, distorted my eyesight quite a, quite a bit. So I just I just kind of um, I just kind of hung out in the shadows. You know, I took solace and uh, you know some kind of different state of consciousness. A lot of it kind of lost uh, memory in that time, but I just kind of got through. And you know, just did the best that I could, um, and you know, again, gaps and gaps in education and in How French. How long did this go on? Um, you know, the actual institution wasn't as, wasn't that long. It was just a few months, mm -hmm. um, but it was kind of coming out of it. You know, mm -hmm. trying to find that baseline. Yeah. Um, I actually even remember the moment. Uh, you know, I was fighting and rallying, um, trying to, uh, even as a young person acknowledge this as a special thing or a beautiful thing, um, you know, to kind of stand up for the other side in a mm -hmm. sense. And with nobody validating that and with nobody giving me feedback that that's an option, I remember that single moment where I just said, fine, have it, then you'll be right. Mm -hmm. Then I give up. Mm -hmm. And I just told myself, well, maybe you are hallucinating. And so mm -hmm. it's just that shift in perspective. So when you got out of there, you were in acceptance that you were hallucinating? Yeah. Yeah. There comes a point where you're dealing with a psychiatrist mm -hmm. and they're trying to look at the veracity because you say, basically, I'm not crazy. I just see things, right? Yes. Right. And she put you through a test. 
Yes. Yeah. Let's yeah. talk about that because that was really a breaking free point for you, wasn't it? A liberation Yes, point? it was. I remember um, coming into the office of this beautiful benevolent woman, um, just uh, this doctor, and, and, it, and just kind of exposing my heart. And just I just remember crying, you mm-hmm. know, uh, for the first session and, and uh, giving her my background of being schizophrenic. And just and fully assuming that I was still at this point, mm-hmm. broken, um, even though I saw things, didn't know there was another option. And she listened to me so lovingly and so patient until she, she gave me this news. She said, I don't think you're schizophrenic. I think something else is going on. And I didn't know, you know, I think, great, another diagnosis. Here, mm-hmm. we, here we go. I've been through so many. And uh, she said, I think you're psychic. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what's that mean? You know, what's a psychic? <laughs> and I did, so I didn't believe it. I did a little research. And of course, I loved Sylvia Brown um, on Montel, you know, but didn't see myself that way. Uh, but she, she said, okay, if you don't believe me, I'm going to put you through a little experience, a little test. So she said, close your eyes, and I want you to tell me, what does my house look like? And I panicked, you know, I was so nervous. I'm thinking, I don't want to disappoint her. She's my first grace I've seen in, in a while. Right. And um, I said, I don't know what your house looks like. And she said, yes, you do. She's amazing, her confidence, you know, even at this juncture. And so she kept pushing me uh, a little bit more just to, just to kind of really trust my instincts. And I did. I said, okay, well, you live in a White House, two-story. She said, yeah, I do. Keep going, Bonnie. I said, well, it's like uh, Cape Cod style, Cape Cod style. She said, that's exactly right. And so I started to get a little confidence to trust this. And I went on to tell her that, you know, about the cats. And she says, yes, I love cats. I have cats everywhere and the flowers and... And basically, she said, see, do you believe me now? You Isn't know? that amazing? One person to see you and become your advocate. Yes, that's all it takes. After all that you'd been through with the mistrust and misdiagnosis. And it, it's just, to me, so sad that people don't believe children. Yes, right. Well, and I think that's so changing. It feels like a foreign timeline at this point. It really does. Yeah. I mean, and even then it was starting to change, but it right. didn't change in your neighborhood, not just no, yet. No, not fast enough. <laughs> right. Okay, so now you get past this. Now you're alerted to the fact you're psychic. You figure out what psychic means. You've just proven it. How does your life change from this moment forward? Yeah, my life uh, changed drastically because I, I felt, you know, I thought about what she had said, although it was hard to hold that, right? It's such a such such an identity shift, yeah. you know. But I thought, well, what are your choices? You know, you can, you know, you can be broken or you can have a gift. Like yeah. that's really what you're up with. And it helped me to kind of reflect back to those moments of connection and love um, and sanctuary that I had in early childhood. So. So I made this like active decision to embody this to the best of my ability and to bring it back. So I read everything that I could um, and listened to everything that I could and, and just poured all over these, you know, metaphysical masters that have come mm-hmm. before me. And I just remember thinking, now this makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. And, and again, just being so protected, you know, being able to uh, be embraced in this and then supported, and I just opened up practice in in the office of the of the doctor that helped oh, me. Oh, really? Yeah. She said, "Okay, go ahead. Just I wouldn't call yourself psychic in the small town. Maybe say." So, what did you intuitive. call yourself? We called it intuitive, um, intuitive reader or intuitive counselor. So, did you sometimes even work together a bit? We did. Yes. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Man, yeah. what a yeah. wonderful woman yeah. that she 
not just helped you see yourself, but trusted you enough as a fairly young woman, it sounds like. She did. To be able to even assist it with maybe challenging cases. Yes, and she maintained, you know, yeah. her oath. You know, I, yes. she didn't give me anything. Um, you know, maybe if at best I would get a first name. And yes. I would just feel and describe what I'm seeing, and she would just take it in. And she would uh, work with other clients, um, and she would sometimes bring me to their attention and say, look, you know, you can speak with this intuitive, and maybe it'll help. And it even graduated to the point where we would hold energetic circles for those that were suffering. So this woman was renegade, uh, renegading in the mental health community. But um, yeah, it was in the back room and in a time still where people were very, very intimidated right, right. by this work. What a brave, wonderful woman. She was amazing. Still is. So yeah. from this point on, okay, you're helping in the office and so forth. Mm -hmm. And you're starting to also understand things about the soul. Yes. Because you've also studied a lot, you've done a lot of research, and you're embracing some some master's works. Yes. So right. now, how did your work progress with others? I feel like when I was given the keys to the kingdom in confidence, it in in some ways helped me remember, you know, even prior unions with these higher sentient beings. Um, so you know, the cavities of my own consciousness expanded, mm -hmm. and I started to receive um, concepts and understanding for the individual mm -hmm. uh, that would come and see me. Uh, but then also how it fit in a larger scale for us as kind of a unifying uh, species. So. You know, I don't know that I did anything uh, worthy of really opening this up other than, you know, just beginning to trust and stabilize and ground and hold sincere intentions to heal mm -hmm. um, and to help. So, you know, I, I quickly kind of outgrew that back room and I moved to, um, to the city uh, into a metaphysical bookshop where, again, open arms uh, and I just opened up my practice there and it was just... And you say, you, the word you use for it is soul interventions? Yes, yes, so absolutely. talk about what that is. Soul interventions, I believe, is extracted from this concept that we refer to as the Akashic Records. And the Akashic Records holds this full-spectrum uh, map of the soul. And sometimes, you know, when people lose faith or they lose sight or they become capsized with fear, um, they can't quite pick up on those milestones they're meant to meet, that, you know, they can't walk through uh, those specific experiences that are going to set them free. So when we would get into this idea of soul interventions, that we would progress them to these moments of influence uh, or impact, sometimes it would turn out it was a familial pain, like an epigenetic cycle. Right or a trauma from their childhood also. And so we would go there and we would re-acknowledge it or we would put light on it or look at it a different way. So often, if you just give people the space and you know, acknowledge that they're, you know, they're safe and they can return to their Akashic map, they just pick right up, you know? And this can be past or future or yes, present, Yes, correct? all, it can be all of it, yeah. It's almost like it's all happening at the same time, but mm -hmm. we just need to find those wrinkles, those times where we hit, again, the wall of fear, that shadow side, um, for whatever reason, so many different mm -hmm. reasons uh, that people can kind of hit that. I tell them they're out in the weeds, you know, we just right. kind of bring them back onto that straight and narrow path that their soul knows instinctively. And you were doing this by being able to offer a psychic glimpse yes. into yes. what was waiting there for them that yes. they were about to touch but hadn't made it yet. Yes. So and there's the not really interfering right. with their path. Correct. And, and Correct. You, you had to use a certain amount of discernment to not overstep, I assume. Correct. And I think that that's very instinctual to myself, at yes. least, 
where I feel like true healing and growth comes when an individual recognizes their true self, yes. their light, um, or really a releasing of the, the illusion of fear. And so I would offer insights to things that I would see um, or opportunities in this, like, you know, um, really encapsulating their greatest gift, mm. you know, their talents. And often they would just acknowledge that, feel that, or remember, um, yeah. you know, their their childhood thoughts around. So you were doing for them what that woman did for you. Correct. Well said. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You were helping give them that validation mm -hmm. so they could have confidence in themselves. Yes. And so the point was to ultimately be able to do this work internally for themselves. Correct. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Gaia.com lets you explore over 8,000 films, documentaries, and original series. There's so much going on in the unseen world. Hidden truth. Why in the media today? They still seem to hold back on these incredible stories. Behind an unknown universe. Where science and spirituality all come together. Gaia.com. Content you can't find anywhere else. For more information, visit GaiaPodcast.com. And so what did that blossom into and where are you with it today? And let's look at the overarching kind of messages that you're looking at today and sharing with people. Yes. I'm so grateful for my background. And it's led me through, you know, um, many different paths and mediumship. But, but it seems like when it takes that sum total... It's about helping people access uh, their records, these Akashic records, and finding out, you know, where they belong in the here and now. Um, and one of the biggest um, messages that has been um, relayed to me from my higher guides is that we need to move into this kind of non-binary path or this non-judgmental, like we're so self-judging yes. of self and we, you know, we're so hard on what we think we haven't accomplished or, you know, the mark that we haven't met in the future so I noticed um, with people, it's very powerful to help put them in touch with their now, to help them see what cycle that they're working on in the present moment and why the root system of that runs so very, very deep. And I would assume that what you see with most people is they have not developed the ability to occupy the moment, the now. Correct. Yes. It's the mm -hmm. fear of the past, the mm -hmm. anxiety of the future that hasn't occurred yeah. yet. Yeah. And so how do you assist someone into coming into their presence now, where everything is happening now? And it's complicated, right? It's Just not to be, easy. And even meditation. I, I have so mm -hmm. many people that sit and, and try to meditate, mm -hmm. and they give it like two minutes, and they're like, I can't do it. I'm never doing it again. And my theory with that is when you come back to the present moment, I mean, you are met with no filter in a way. Mm -hmm. So you have, you know, the landscape of fear, you have the mind, uh, you have your all that you've ever been. And so if you could think about the sheer velocity mm -hmm. of all of you without the filters or the framework, um, it's just sometimes more than one can hold. So my path with working with people is definitely to lead them into the stability of their own heart. And to know that, you know, the things that they're afraid of either exist in some, you know, uh, version of an illusion or to help them see the purpose of their own path. Mm -hmm. Again, in my background, seeing how all of the bricks were laid even to lead me up until this point. Mm -hmm. So finding that um, stillness and even mindfulness or uh, learning to uh, acknowledge that we're not alone. 
right. that you have guidance. Uh, you have guides looking out for you every All the time. single minute. Yes, 24-7. I think that helps ease the transition into uh, the treacherous yeah. now. Yeah. I would think one of the problems at the moment is um, because we've been through this technological revolution and so many people, um, their brains are operating at a little different speed than they used to just because of the quick satisfaction mm -hmm. and interaction with technology mm -hmm. that it's more and more difficult, especially for younger generations, to be able to sit still. Correct. Or think autonomously. Or think autonomously. Right, right. right. Do you have a lot of younger clients? I do, I do. And they seem to be absorbed into, you know, the flashing lights of, or the quick pace. Right, and I'm media. wondering, how do you bring someone back to themselves when the brain has been really becoming into almost addictive patterns of such quick gratification right, and right. external authority? We have to proceed at first with some kind of mental detox. And I feel like that comes in phases. You know, it took us a long time to become, to kind of go off the map in, in a way. Right. So, you know, I ask these young people or anybody actually just to kind of make these small adjustments, you know, put the phone down midday and go outside and just do five, you know, if you can do five minutes of deep breathing. Um, so we start with this kind of mental detoxing mm -hmm. zone. Good. And then we move into an empowering lifestyle with communicating with sacred things such as nature or our higher self. So I find the breaking point is when people can really sense, again, who their higher guides are, when mm -hmm. they make that relationship possible yeah. or just make that connection, when they can feel the hum or the resonance in their body shift, they're kind of hooked. It becomes right. um, more powerful than even social media for yeah, some. The, yeah. Hallelujah, that's wonderful. Yeah, okay, yeah. so part of this, you do something called the brain bypass. Yes. So mm -hmm. tell us about that. So I think um, one of the things where we've really gotten kind of confused is self-trust. Mm -hmm. And it's so easy to chalk up our intuition or these things that will flicker in the back of our mind to imagination. Mm -hmm. So the brain, I've noticed and through my studies and research, uh, that it just tends to be some kind of patterning organ. So it has a hard time breaking free from its own little infrastructure and box. Um, and, and when we do start to separate and kind of go into altered states of consciousness, our body starts doing these ab reactions, you know, and putting us sometimes into fight or flight. So we have to kind of retrain our pathology. Uh, so the brain bypass suggests uh, that we just go into this kind of free association of mind and that we practice asking a question and receiving an answer that doesn't hold a lot of weight. You know, sometimes with my clients, I'll say just, you know, what is the first animal that pops into your mind? If you were to ask your higher guidance, show me an animal and I'll, you know, and they're just freaked out. Like, how do I do this without thinking about the right answer? And then they'll just have this image or this experience pop in their mind. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we use numbers, but it's just this beginning infrastructure of trusting something beyond that small percentage, beyond cognition, beyond linearity. Like, it's just this freedom of uncharted space. And as you move into brain bypass, I mean, you can ask really, you know, high calibrated questions or for yourself or other people. And you know, you receive this kind of light language or this metaphoric feedback that you can learn to decipher it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So tell us a couple more th techniques that you use that you think are super effective right now 
with individuals. And I'm going to ask you some overarching questions that one would ask a psychic and say, how come this? Okay. Sure. Absolutely. Well, I think um, returning back to the present moment. Yes. That is such a difficult thing to do. And I I know this from experience because um, somehow through my psychic development, I knew that I had to be super present because psychic information only comes in the now. Exactly. Future doesn't exist. Past doesn't exist in the way that Everything we think Everything only it does. comes in the now. Only right now. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So if we're evading that, how will we ever get out of this pickle? Right. So I noticed even in following the beautiful uh, teachings of Eckhart Tolle, every time I would try to be in the now, it took me like three seconds and I was, you know, lost in conversation with someone or <laughs> chasing another yeah. psychic squirrel. So... Yeah. I developed this technique that kind of combines uh, the now and mindfulness. I call it the sandwich meditation. Um, and I call it that is because I was directed early on in my psychic career to take a sandwich and eat it very, very slow, which I thought was kind of a radical ask. Mm-hmm. And as I did that, I remember thinking that this is excruciating. I mean, the seeds on the bun felt like furniture sliders and my teeth and the <laughs> Lettuce was gummy. It was it was quite an awful experience. But within just a few moments of being present, I I noticed electricity kind of flowing through the air, almost like a mirage. I could hear the birds outside, like you I had just, just turned bring birds it up. Mm-hmm. It was just like a like a hyper mm-hmm. state or a superhuman state of consciousness. It scared me to pieces. Why? Yeah, I think. It was just an unknown. It was just, you know, my body was buzzing. It was almost an electrified uh, way of being human. It was just were so you, It sounds like there. you were simply tapping into the electrical universe yes. in which we live. Yes, And the you truth. were consciously aware yes. of that yes, exactly. transmission. Yes, 100%. Yeah. I was in touch with the now. And for me, and for, for a lot of us, it's those transmissions, those, um, you know, those guidelines of, of where we're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So the technique that I would give um, would be to try this, uh, this method to anywhere where you're very unconscious. Uh, for me, apparently, it was eating. Uh-huh. Uh, but you can do it washing the dishes. You can do it while driving. So you take about 30 seconds to a minute, no longer. We want to retrain that right. automatic response part of the brain. Mm-hmm. And for instance, if you're taking, you know, the dish, set a timer on your phone, 30 seconds, and feel the weight of the dish in your hand. And just take a moment to breathe and feel that. Flip it over. Where was it made? Might surprise you, mm-hmm. you know? Probably China. But Probably China, you know. <laughs> smell the dish liquid. Um, hear the water hitting the basin of the sink. And so essentially, you're, you're practicing imploring all of those senses and allowing them to go up into heightened psychic states. And the more that you enter in and out of those psychic states or that present now, the more comfortable that you'll become and the less your brain's going to fight you as you kind of move outside of mm-hmm. that box. So I think that's one of the more helpful techniques mm-hmm. and you can do it. While you're taking present, no matter what you're doing, yeah, or Or watching birds, yes, yes, I love to watch birds. Perfect. I'm just so absorbed into watching their interactions and hierarchy with each other and so forth. Yes, but I mean, anyway, it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter. Brushing your teeth, right? Feeling the bristles. Yes, you know. So to bring yourself into the moment with very in very simple ways, correct. Until you start developing essentially an, a knowingness of what it feels like to be in the moment. Absolutely. Yeah. And so that you don't shut down or go yeah. into that fight or flight response. Right, you know? right. 
And I think the only other thing that it would be such a great, you know, beginning if, if one was trying to enter into that psychic space is amplifying their personal frequency. You know, there's many different methods on how to do this, but, um, you know, when I teach it, it's all about how to get there the quickest. Mm -hmm. You know, we have busy lives. We sometimes don't always have all the time to go meditate. But what I've been taught by my guides is that everything follows the power of our intention mm -hmm. and will. And so if you can just even for in a 30-second time frame, close your eyes and think up or imagine uh, what it would feel like to levitate. Mm -hmm. I tell people just visualize a thermometer or any kind of beacon to be lifted up. And this is surprising because it sounds so simple. And just count to 10 slowly and just feel yourself being lifted. Being lifted and mm -hmm. you're literally changing dimensional quality. Mm -hmm. So when you open Very your good. eyes, mm -hmm. the light will be present in a different way. Um, you'll feel kind of spacey and heady, right. um, maybe a buzzing, but you've just left that dense swamp of the 3D. Yeah. Right. It's so simple. Oh, that's simple and wonderful. Thank you for yes. those. Those are all Absolutely. very useful techniques. So getting into some, kind of the, some of the general psychic questions mm -hmm. people have, because people, first of all, predictive, predictive psychic, psychic work yes. is always dicey. Yes. Timing mm -hmm. is always mm -hmm. dicey. And so let's talk about that for a moment for all the brokenhearted clients of psychics. Yes. It didn't happen. He didn't show up. I didn't get the job. When someone is reading, they're reading, theoretically, what is transpiring and has developed in that moment. Right. So really, it seems to me that we're looking at probability. Correct. So go ahead and take it from there so people begin understanding. Yes. And this is why I you know, tell people that I am an Akashic Records reader and how that might be different from a psychic reading, although yes. I think psychic readings are so valuable um, for so many different reasons. But one of the obstacles that one can run into is that when they're reading someone um, or giving feedback about their life, perhaps sometimes that can turn into forms of mentalism um, or reading kind of just that, that, that life stream that they're on currently. Right. Um, and there's so many different options. Uh, so in reading someone, I try to give this landscape um, of all that they, the potentiality of mm -hmm. their soul, of their spirit. I try to really uh, showcase some things that are hard, some fears, some pains, some things that might be um, restrictive or really give them a challenge. And then I try to bring to them their skill, their talent, because everybody has, you know, the potential for mastery um, in a certain skill set or a talent. And then we just take those variables and we start to look at it as a whole. And I tell them, like, here's your, your, your highest potential. Mm -hmm. You know, what are you willing to do to get there? So often, you know, when I go into work with a client, I'll say, look, this isn't going to be fortune telling. Right. This is going to be more like extremely um, etheric strategizing of life. Yes. We call in your guides and angels. So we, we really kind of create this predictive um focal point based on the opportunities of choice mm -hmm. that one has. And so to surmise, I t you know, it's really this understanding between myself and my client that if they make these shifts, that these shifts have to happen first to prepare them to be calibrated or aligned with those higher outcomes. Mm -hmm. And often if we're not willing to make those changes, we'll never see right. anything outside of that. You and know, that's that very wheel. different than a psychic reading than Madame Zelda. And yes, so yes, the other yes. element is time. 
Yes. Because one thing, no matter how um, amazingly elevated uh, our guides are coming from other dimensions, it doesn't matter. Yes. The one thing that tends to frustrate and stump humanity is time. Yes. Because mm -hmm. these things are going to unfold in their own time, and that mm -hmm. can't be predicted. One intervening thought pattern from another person can change that timeline. Sure. So talk about time as you see it when you're, lo when you're looking at Akashic Records and when you're trying to relay things to people without having them attached to a time frame. Right, so that's a great question. I think time and space have a tighter relationship than maybe we understand mm -hmm. yet. And, you know, time, obviously we know it's not, you know, a linear experience. So often, I tell people like, look, we can't give timelines. You know, I can give this approximation of an almost, you know, experientially dominoes following, falling. If you if you do this, then then this will set you up for this. But or something can feel closer, yes. warmer versus yes. colder. Yes. Right? <laughs> yes. So I think, you know, with that free will, it does skew um, timelines. But I think what I've noticed um, as a psychic, as an Akashic Records, as a student of, of, of the higher dimensions, it's less about time and more about integration, more about walking through the, you know, the lessons that we need to learn and not pass them. So yes. I feel like there's a spiritual bypassing that sometimes happens or a quickening when people need that thing to happen so that they can survive so that comes up in a session pretty quickly that um, we're trying to have this relationship come to fruition or this job change because we need it so that we can, you know, not capsize in anxiety and depression. Right. So, you know, we need to work on those fundamental things. And, and just as soon as you do, it seems to expedite time. Right. Yeah. So it's a lot of, it's, it's, I think it's bigger than we understand. Yeah. And then the whole notion you talked about a, a moment ago, and this is uh, as we wind up the conversation, the notion of our desire yes. and our will and our intention. Yes. So often people come to a psychic reading and say, well, I just don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. And I know my guides have always said to people, what do you want to do? What right. do you want to right. do? Right. You know, and what, but what am I supposed to do? And so yes. talk about that little dynamic on how important it is for us to simply have a sense of what we want. Yes. And I believe that that's part of this path of returning to the heart, mm -hmm. um, re returning to our authentic self and to know, uh, you know, our spiritual edge. You know, mm -hmm. it's not, it, obviously it's not easy. And I feel like I run into people going, well, it doesn't feel good, so it must not be right. I'm like, oh, you know, <laughs> that's never the case. Yeah. So I feel like where we are right now is to become lucid, to become aware, uh, to be willing to take the shadow aspects of ourselves and look at it and not run from it, and to hold our inherent power without being ashamed or chalking it up to ego and allowing this great return of, of all the pieces that we've ever been yes. to come home and living again in this uniquely whole position. Um, and I feel like that's going to be you know, the shift of the ages. I think the earth takes a, a massive turn for the better if we could do that. I agree with you. And I do see it turning for the better. Absolutely. And I'm Me sure too. you do as I well. Do. I absolutely do. <laughs> Bonnie, thank you so much. Thank it's you. just really delightful to hear how you worked with your own life and used all of what seems like tragedy to yes. your advantage and also to help you have compassion for and understand 
the journey of another. Absolutely. And help them understand themselves. 100%. That's what it's about. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Bonnie. Bonnie's book is titled The Other Side of Normal. Until next time, thank you for joining us here on Open Minds. Thank you for listening to this episode of Gaia's Consciousness Podcast. Learn even more at Gaia.com and watch interviews, movies, and original series, all to empower the evolution of consciousness. For more information, visit GaiaPodcast.com. Gaia. Watch. Belong. Transform.